Hello and welcome back. This is Colin Keeley here. And I'm Brent Sanders. And we are two guys buying and building wonderful internet companies. Yes, indeed. And uh, we're starting to scale. So in this episode, we want to talk about scaling people a little bit. So we're going, we've always had teammates. We've always had people helping us, but we're starting to get a little bit more of a solidified internal team. We had some agencies working with us. We had some, you know, contractors that were here and there. But as we built up the team, one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit of like, what are the things that we're doing internally to, I don't know, what are the ceremonies? Like, how do you manage these, these internal teams? Now that I, I started putting that, that stuff on my calendar and doing them, I'm like, yeah, we should probably talk about this on the podcast. So I guess that was, that was the topic I wanted to kind of dive into first is like how we go about, at least on the engineering side, how we go about doing it. Yeah. I mean, I think at scale, as we keep going, it's like, it's kind of a big game of recruiting. We just need more and more people to fill seats. So I've had recruiting calls today, bringing more people on. It's exciting. It's exciting to like delegate more and not do it all ourselves quite as much. But I guess, how's your life different now? Like what are your, your day-to-days on the team side? It's not terribly different yet, but it's getting there. I keep telling my wife, like it's, we're almost, we're getting there. We're getting there. She's like, why do you have to handle this? I'm like, cause I'm the only one with the access. So. We're getting there. Like we don't have as senior support and, and I won't let everybody do like direct access to production or databases like until we get certain controls in place and pay off some of the tech debt that we've inherited in, in buying this. The latest business, it's like I, I have to kind of keep things on a lock and key and I have to to lead a lot of those things. But that's the biggest change is like being able to step away like what Friday I took my kid. I mean, it's been beautiful here in Cleveland. I don't know. You got the same weather, right? In Chicago, it's like just gorgeous last week. And kid, my son was on spring break. My, my daughter's too young for school, but I took them on, on a Friday. We had sort of a childcare snafu and I was like, you know what? I'm take the day off and the team kept things moving. And that's like the biggest thing is like gaining leverage once again, which I, I achieved to a high degree in prior parts of my career. But uh, with Vern, we just haven't really been there yet. So that, that's been nice to kind of alleviate the constant need to be pushing initiatives forward and like, hey, just trust the team. We'll, we'll be able to kind of take it. So you're much more like the, the team manager of the two of us. Like, what's your process? What's your team meetings, one-on-ones? What's your go-to? Yeah, I mean, I, get, I think the first thing is care a lot. Like to give a shit, that's like the number one rule is... But yeah, start one-on-ones, monthly one-on-ones is, is like step one. So we brought our first employee on, full-time employee, who's a, we've talked about before, a local software apprentice, first software job out of prior job. And then we have a couple other contributors and, and just kind of booking time with them one-on-one to do a retrospective on the prior month, or in this case, prior couple of weeks. And so just simple format, what worked in the last month, what what didn't, where do we have difficulties? What do we run into? And then try to have like a, a single item to, to both walk away with, which is like, what's the one thing we can do better next cycle that we should focus on together? And it may really be them or it may really be me, but we say it's together. So there's like, it's a little bit less blameless and passive, but, but it's not coaching, but it is to an extent, it's an opportunity to just like provide candid feedback, which I think is, I don't know. I think there was a Ray Dalio quote, which is that people, most people prefer compliments, but accurate criticism is way more valuable, which is like, 
that's what I'm trying to deliver, which is real things that happen and, and keep track of. It, it's not always super comfortable, but it, it's usually in the spirit of being constructive. So that's that's the first thing. I'm starting to do one-on-ones, which we did last week. And what yielded, here's the other thing that I should say to our listeners, and you know this because you didn't, we, neither one of it have done us, but like we didn't distribute a handbook. Like we're doing this still very startup-y where we aren't spending a month on putting a handbook together and we don't have an HR department. And I mean, we could have copied a handbook from someone else, I suppose, but we, we didn't distribute anything. So there's a ton of gray area. Like I say roughly nine to five, but if you need to take time off, like make it up. That's basically what I gave them and that and an employment contract. So it's, it's super vague. So this is where, in my mind, we're able to figure out what's working, what doesn't. So it's really a function of that more than, than it's, what is the, the famous, the guy who says management by abdication, it's a little bit of that. And then coming back in to kind of tune things. Yeah. Mark Uh, Leonard says it. Andrew Wilkinson says it. I I have some of that stuff built out in Notion. I'm not sure anyone or other people look at Notion nearly as much as I'm putting effort into it. Like (laughs) documenting SOBs and stuff. But if you want to look through it and add to it, we could use that stuff. I have, and, and I put some stuff in there. I feel like we did a lot of that, like, as I'm looking at it now, is I did a lot of that when we were onboarding the first folks. But yeah, you definitely have the lion's share of it in marketing and outbound. And But whenever I have, like, the key ones that I have, it's like, how do we test? How do we get reports from customers? How do we do stuff in Stripe? But yeah, that's... That's high leverage activity. So it's definitely worth working on. So um, that like monthly, what do you do on like a weekly or daily approach with these people? Yeah. Daily, we have standups and that's, we don't do a standup meeting like, cause those suck. I don't know if you've ever gone through like a tech standup, but like, yeah, as the I team gets to. bigger, it's like, there's, there's always that one guy who's like lonely and wants to tell you about all about his weekend and it's like, stop. Well, in theory, it was always like, like, it's short, right? And you have to stand up. But in every startup I've been a part of in the past, it's never that. People sit and just talk and talk and talk because there's no limit, right? You're not forced to stand the whole time. (laughs) So we do that asynchronously over Slack, especially we have other folks on time zones. So like, what'd you do yesterday? What are you doing today? Blockers and impediments. And then on a weekly basis, this week today, we just started spinning up our weekly dev meeting. So... Structure here is is fairly loose, but it's like something to kind of break the ice. I usually come up with some topic or we'll tap somebody on the team to to come up with a topic or a joke or something, but just get to know each other. Because the thing that I'm struggling with is like, and I think everyone struggles with it, is like we're working on the same things. We have this connection. We're remote. We're working over Slack. And it's easy to forget we're all human. And it's easy to just be like, that person is assigned this and then they need to assign it to me and the workflow goes. So it's just like an hour to try to humanize everybody and get them talking about where they live and the things they do and the things they like. It's like all the shit that you would normally do. I hate to say the water cooler, but like we don't get to have lunch with each other, right? Being remote. So it's kind of trying to replace that a bit. I try to come in with some case studies or a case Hmm. study at the very least of like, something we did, something I've seen done or something else I've seen tech related, like employment, deployment of a certain technology or some technique that could work for something we're doing in one of our businesses. So I like to, with junior teammates, have them, once you get that momentum going, show them how it's done maybe two or three times and then throw that responsibility around to the team and have them bring in sort of a show and tell 
of, hey, I think this is cool. I think this is interesting. And that will shape, it builds a respect of like solution engineering across teammates. Because I think right now it's very like we got seniors and juniors. And the juniors are the junior team member. I don't think he feels like he can be like, hey, do this or we should do this. It's like he just feels like he's going to take direction. But we want to get him in the place where he feels comfortable throwing ideas out there. And so that's like step one to doing that. And then it's kind of like a longer stand-up format. What did you do last week? What are you doing next week? Who do you need to coordinate with? And that's just great for visibility of, of everybody to know, like, how are we going to work together in this next upcoming week? And as well as, like, how are the businesses doing? That's one thing I'm trying to, I would like to start doing on maybe even outside of that meeting, but just business-wide, MRR, growth, letting people know, like, what's going on. And what I would say is like, it's a great feeling when if things are like flat or even downwards, and then you push something that you've been working on for a month and it, it starts floating up. It's like, that's, that's what I think everyone's kind of looking for from a, you know, how do I get charged by this work? At least I do. And I think a lot of the people on the team get jazzed about that. And the money is the byproduct of that, your, your pay, but it's really like, Hey, this proves I'm good at what I'm doing, right? This proves that like I have value, proves all these things to make me feel good. And if you're anything like me, you need that to, to keep doing this stuff, <laughs> sadly. Yeah, like you've looped in connections to Slack. So a new customer signs up, their information is put in Slack. So that's like kind of ringing a bell of sorts. Like if you're in a real office, mm-hmm. we definitely are missing that like big billboard that the sales team would be like rah-rah about. Yeah. I don't know if that's just opening up Stripe to everyone in the company to like, hey, you want to look at how we're doing? Like this is how we're doing. Yeah. The other thing I think about is, so we're a remote team. We're going to continue to be, I mean, there's a little contingent of you in Cleveland, but otherwise people are overseas and kind of all over. Like, how do you build culture mm-hmm. in that environment? Like we've seen other folks yeah. do a monthly or quarterly game night of sorts, like an online game night. We've talked about doing it. We've never done it. Any ideas around that? Yeah, I think we should do like, I think we should just do that to start. It's like play it even like a silly game, like, like a clue or even like a video game like something simple right it doesn't have to be complex but i think yeah like i don't know our past job we play call of duty like the creative director wanted to play call of duty with everybody and just made everybody mad (laughs) everyone just get destroyed and get pissed off but yeah something easy even like euchre or something like that could be fun like a team-based game i think would be fun. i know it's a card game but encourage people to it, it's hard because it's like the offshore guys I, I don't feel like i always feel guilty being like yeah look, you gotta hop on our our time like late night and that's like yeah that's when i'm supposed to be sleeping dude i want to i've always had a very strong like hey work life boundary for employees and i've wanted to respect that but there is an element of like let's try to get together in a time that potentially work for everybody even if it means like eating into your family time for an hour, I think it, it is valuable. We, we've been really bad at that. And, and it is, I think that's my one takeaway from this conversation is like, put, put some effort into that. Yeah. We've always had it like as it's due and other things just pop up and it kind of gets pushed away. I think it just has to go on the calendar and the way other startups have seen do it in the past is like, it's the end of the workday. So it's not eating into people's family time. It's like from three to five or something instead of like yeah. five to seven. So they're going to be at work anyway. It's just like time off. Yeah. I guess we could do like a, a all sorts of fun things. I don't know. I think it would be fun to 
get in the habit of doing that and just building the culture a little bit more. And for what it's worth, we do tend to have some like fractional help. And I think drawing them into those types of meetings as a priority is also helpful. It's like easy. It's like, hey, we have some of your time per week, like let's say 20 hours. We're prioritizing that even more so with the folks that are fractional just to make them feel like they're not like one foot in, one foot out, that they are. I don't know. I think a lot of the micro SaaS folks have to rely on, on fractional help, right? There's just not enough revenue to, to bring high quality talent in, like senior talent in full time for all their different roles. I think that's one cheat code you can use is like, you know, make it feel like it's fun and, and there's a connection and there's a reason other than like, yeah, I guess you pay part of my paycheck. But if you have like all of their sort of attention and energy and like, they're behind you and they are rooting for you, then that's, I think you can get more out of that relationship. Yeah. I, I don't know what like the best online games are to play. And maybe we both look into it or every week, <laughs> every month or every quarter, like it's one person's job to sort out what the activity is. And then it's always someone different. That's a good idea. I, I'm yeah. I am attracted to like the most boring games, like simulations and stuff that's really technical and it, I should not be in charge. Maybe we can play like, <laughs> Euchre even sounds hard because it's like not a lot of people play it, but I know it's a fun team game. Have you ever played Euchre before? The card game? No, I don't play any video games or card games. No, uh, it's not. It's not a, <laughs> a video game. It's like a a lot of people play it in college, like almost as a drinking game, but it's not necessarily. It's just it's like a fun collective game in a, in a sense. It's you play in pair in partners, so you'll hmm. have like a a partner that's you play with four people, and I think you can play with more, but I don't know. I'm not, I've played it a couple of times and it's just been, everyone's having a lot of fun and it's, it's like not too serious. Okay. Maybe that's it. Any other team ideas? Otherwise onto tech debt and features and stuff? No, no. I think that's, that's the main thing. I think right now is that's been, what I've been up to in the last week is just starting to pull the team back together and build some culture. Cool. And so the other thing is like on Scout, I'd say we've been pushing super hard on new features, move from Braintree to Stripe, adding a bunch of stuff that's been like requested for years and like finally getting to it. But the other side of that is like, there's definitely tech debt and there's bugs. And how do you think of balancing kind of those two, pushing on features and tech debt? Yeah, I, I think of it as a seesaw, right? Like it's, we pushed on the new feature seesaw, like that side of it. And now we got to come back and, so like we've had some pretty big known infrastructure things that we just knew we're going to have to deal with, but it's like, you have to deal with all these things together. It's kind of like financial debt, right? You can't go all in one way. You can't ignore your debt. You have to like pay it down in increments or have like a good payment plan in place that's like sustainable. So it's, you have to strike that balance. Again, I, I, I think it's tech debt and financial debt are very similar in the sense that it gets you some leverage, it gets you out ahead, and but yeah, you have to have something sustainable to, to pay it because now we have people are happy, but you know the the bugs that have when you kick up dust on a system that hasn't been touched in years or really been like the owner. Here's a let's go give everybody the context we've talked about a little bit, but like Scout was built on Braintree, so. He built this, what, six years ago? It's six years old or eight years old? Because there's some commits I see from like eight years ago. But I don't think it was really live then. So it was built on one payment platform. We we want to move it to a new one because people hated the old. And he, he wanted to move. And new customers just couldn't really get set up with 
credit cards. So we, we do that and it's like, you have to touch everything. You have to touch all these old systems that the first couple months of, of doing this was doing this project was like ensuring we could even like touch these things and, and roll them out. Like, so the bane of my existence has been not so much rolling the feature out, but just then the side effects of we have 30 something or more branded applications. These are mobile applications that both have an iOS and Android version. And if you're out there and you're technical, you know how painful it is if there's a bug in one of those. It's like you can't just push a change. It's got to go through the app store. So this week, I I think we're at a total of four expedited review requests. <laughs> and it's not even a matter of, of like, hey, we, we tested this stuff. And it's just a matter of like, there are so many permutations and states that people can be in. And yep, we've definitely ruffled some feathers with customers. But I know that they know I've gotten this across by directly responding and talking to these customers that like we care we're on top of it we're like doing everything we can but in the long term this stuff will go away and they will forget about it and it's like yes this is painful and yes it's creating more time for them which sucks that's not what they're paying us for they're paying us to automate all their their operations so it's a difficult thing I think you can meet customers with kindness and understanding and empathy and just keep working and, and don't blow anything up. But yes, it's, it's going to be bumpy. And I think that's, um, that's just the case. And I think we're, we're still going to see bumps as we go. We have some, the most dangerous stuff still ahead of us that we need to do. The, the biggest tech that is forthcoming, such as like, it's going to require some downtime. It's going to require a maintenance period. So that's, that's in our future. I'd say the one thing we've done well is like, I mean, they knew these problems were outstanding. We said we were going to tackle them. We're like actively tackling them. And then we've just been over communicating. So we send notices all the time. You record Loom videos and then something happens and we're on intercom. And like, there's always someone there to kind of help out. So that seems to help. It's just bumpy and not unexpected, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I think this is as out of all the companies in our portfolio, this is the one that's probably has the most surface area in the sense that there's two web applications, there's multiple microservices, there's there's a ton of mobile apps that they run the same code, but still there's instances that you have to kind of come up with all these pipelines for. And so we've done that work, but when you have a, let's say you have a typo in something, which not a lot of those things get up, but as a trivial example, you now have to push your pipeline. That pipeline has to build, it has to deploy, it has to go through review, it has to go through all the pain when you deal with mobile, which as we dealt with this with Avocado, it was a total headache and we knew it was gonna, this was gonna be the case. So it's not a surprise. I think we're going, I think the history of this will go away. In my mind, I'm concerned about loot churn, like people getting pissed off. But I think the real effect is that new customers signing up are experiencing bumps and they are just like, hey, I'm not into like dealing with beta or even what seems like it's rocky. And over the last week, it, it's been like that. So it's like, I think we're getting out of the woods of the, the difficult stuff with changing billing providers. But in the long term, like I know these are all things we have to do. There's no way we could grow this business with without these changes. And they've always been on a roadmap. But now it's just like the difficult period. And um, it does fall all on me right now. Like that's that's not lost on me. There's a lot of pressure there, but at the same time, like this is, I know I can do it. I've done it before. And like, if it gets 
to the point where, how do I put this? Like if it gets to the point where, you know, this feels like it's out of my will or, or there's something that we can't do or I can't do. It's like, I know where to get help and I'm comfortable asking for it and getting it. And we have the resources for that. So, but I, I think that's the, the end of it though. I think this is like the, we're kind of coming out of the woods on probably the most difficult change. We have a bunch of other changes, but the new features in front of us are just trivial in comparison. We kind of swallowed the toad with this. Yeah. I think we're starting to push on marketing more and, I think there's a credible path to like 5X this in a short, relatively short period of time. And if you take that mindset, it's like 80% of those customers are going to be new. And what matters most is making sure those new customers are having like an amazing experience. So this like bumpy road, I mean, obviously sucks for like the existing customers and for us, but it means these new customers are onboarding onto Stripe and like everything is just should be in theory much smoother going forward. Conversion rate should be better. And like, it's, it's all worth it. So as long as we're like prioritizing the right thing. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. You, you mentioned that to me yesterday or Monday. You're like, we were kind of, because everything that I have to deal with is how is this going to impact new customers? But mainly, how is this going to impact existing customers and keeping them happy, especially our biggest customers? But to your point, it's like they matter, but they're not everything. And in fact, if, that, if our objective is, which it is to grow this 5X in a very, what I would say, compressed timeline, then we got to, we got to, you got to crack some eggs. I hate, hate to say it. That's all I've been thinking about. Like people are upset that things are, are bumpy, but we got to crack the eggs a little bit to, to make this, this growth omelet. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably a better metaphor. It's to make a, a tomlet. You got to crack some Greg's. Crack some that? Greg's. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking that I just didn't know if our audience was succession-esque. Do you watch that by the way? Do you watch Succession? Yeah, I love it. I so I don't really watch TV or much of anything, but I do watch like the HBO premiere shows for sure. Yeah, the Sunday night routine. I had to stop watching because it was every episode was the same damn thing. Is it gotten any better? Well, if you didn't like it before, it's the same. So if you Oh no, know. I liked it. It's just <laughs> repetitive. It's always trying to like outsmart the dad and he's having a stroke or some sort of physical ailment and then he comes back and outsmarts all of them. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole game, right? It's succession, in theory, is the idea. But it, the cool thing is that they said the end, of the end of the series is this season. So I always like that okay. you know, mode of storytelling of like, hey, this is the end date. We're not going to just string it on forever. Like House of Cards was good initially and just got super weird. Um, but succession is just like a well-told story over four seasons or something like that. Yeah, I got to admit, like the best, it's hard to do because the money is there. But like, if you remember the office, the the British office, one season, and they did one special, but it was just like one season. It was great. It was just like, okay, that's it. We're done. It's like, it, it almost creates, it makes it better by not jumping the shark, obviously. And going, but I guess one other thing I was going to mention is, so on Twitter, if you have like a decent size account, you get pitched nonstop in the direct messages and the DMs by like fitness people, like we specialize in CEOs. We're going to get CEOs in shape. And hey, do you need help on this, Colin? So I get that like every day. Uh, and I get other flavors of like how best to monetize your Twitter account. So I took a meeting with one of the, the companies yesterday. It's all about how to get like customers and clients. And I think a lot of what they do is coaching. But I got an inside look at some of the economics and they have over 100 clients. 
and they've been adding like 20 new clients a month recently, and they charge $2,000 per month. And so that's 200,000 plus in MRR, and it's all recurring revenue. So I was just kind of blown away by how seemingly profitable these little agencies are. And they basically train a bunch of other people to also be coaches, bring on clients, scale up courses, all different kinds of things like that. What would you say they do? I think it's all about like crafting your positioning, your offer, trying to build a repeatable sales process kind of built on top of Twitter, giving you mm. scripts. So I think everyone has different flavors, like they're working in different industries, but like the general approach is all the same of using Twitter to land clients. Um, and seemingly they have a lot of case studies of people being successful. So I, I do think about like, if I wasn't me and someone else was running my Twitter account, like how would you best monetize that? So we, we took a call of like, how do I get more acquisitions or like find more investors and stuff like that, which was pretty far outside the wheelhouse. I thought they had some interesting ideas, but it was all like updating the profile to kind of match and not focusing on growth as much, but really dialing in like conversion. So dialing in conversion to like SaaS companies looking to sell and mm. not like just growing that follower number, whoever they may be. Right. This other, right. This other advice to me was like put together a list of a hundred or a thousand people, like a hundred to a thousand people that I'd want to meet, want to talk to, and just like use DMs a lot more and like introduce myself and just start discussions, which is probably something I don't do enough. But yeah, it's just interesting advice overall. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I in the terms of like finding companies that want to sell or acquisitions, as you put it, like that's super interesting. In terms of investors, I don't, yeah, I, I think that like whatever it is, is like continuing to connect with people. That's, that's the cool part. I think DMing people is, Sorry, I, I'm I'm an idiot when it comes to you. They they have to follow you for them for you to DM them, right? Is that still a rule on Twitter? It depends on the person. So if they have open okay. DMs, you could DM them, but then it ends up in like this okay. other folder because they're not friends. But yeah, that's something I've. So other people just have like an automation. Hey, you followed me. I'm gonna spam you. Like buy my course or whatever. Use my service. Yeah. But like I. I care a lot about reputation, and the people that follow me, some of them are like billionaires, like legitimately big time people on Twitter. And I'm not going to say like, hey, buy my like $200 course. I, I yeah. don't want to burn yeah. any bridges. Like I would never hand that over to a VA or something. So I'm sensitive yeah. to that kind of thing. It doesn't make as much sense for me as it does for like you know, other people selling services. Yeah. And I think the other thing is you don't want to just be like, oh, I'd love to grab coffee or hop on a Zoom call for no reason. Like I've, I've had a handful of those come through where it's like, like, I don't even know how to respond to you. Like I, I'm happy to give my time to strangers, especially that listen to this podcast. But if it's like, give me one compelling, like I, I got a lot going. Like <laughs> I get, I get a very minimal amount of time before I like, I have to go, I have to go to home and I got to deal with two kids and got to do my thing. But yeah, that, that's the the thing I've been getting more of is are the brain pickers and the, the coffee getters. Yeah, those are tough. Because it's kind of like no one ever told them they shouldn't be asking to pick people's brains. Uh, yeah, I just I did that to somebody once, and he never responded. And I still remember. And now I think about it, I'm like, oh, of course he didn't. Like, why would he? I was in college too. It's like some idiot. Uh, well, but, someone in college, yeah, I normally like, try to help. Like I try to help students because yeah. we were students at one point. But everyone else, it's like, huh, you should maybe know better than to do this. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. It's and it's hard to know like can I help? I mean, I think you you do a good job of being like, "Hey, check out the podcast." Let me know if you have like a specific question or something or But yeah, I always find it ser- serendipitous. It's like important to connect with random people. Whenever I do connect with people, I nine times out of 10, I'm like, "Oh, I'm glad I I'm really glad I took the time. This I can feel like this this will be worth it in some way shape or yeah, I only take the meetings where it's like a founder that's obviously kind of a fit for us or like someone doing something very similar where it's obvious we would both benefit yeah. from knowing each other. Everyone else, it's like, hey, happy to continue talking here. And if you want to ask a question, like I'll try to answer it. And then if I answer by text, I can repurpose it for like a tweet or something. Um, mm-hmm. But I basically say like, hey, I'm not just going to hop in a meeting with you. Yeah, it takes a lot of time. And it's like the, the time before, the time after, blah, blah, blah. So, Yeah. It's tough to. Yeah, that's all I got. Anything else you got? Cool. No, no. Excited to, excited to be kind of progressing on what we have in front of us. Excited to, you know, get this team ramped up. I'm excited to have some leverage, which would be fun to have again. Yes, I'll get you more help next couple of days. We'll bring on another person. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks for listening. All right, take care.